Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1. Israel's efforts to weaken and ultimately remove Hamas from power in Gaza have raised significant questions about the future governance of the Palestinian territory. Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas has emphasized that the Palestinian Authority, the PA, can only return to power in the Gaza Strip once a, quote, comprehensive political solution is reached for the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Abbas discussed this issue with U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken during a meeting on Sunday, November 5th, but it remains unclear what Israel has in store for the Gaza Strip once the war is over. They have not discussed who will be put in charge of the Strip, and if Israel would have their way, it would seem unlikely that they will simply hand it back to the PA, for sure as long as the so-called moderate president, Mahmoud Abbas, remains in charge. The IDF reported that since the commencement of the ground offensive in the Gaza Strip a week ago, they have targeted over 2,500 sites using land, air, and naval forces. Combat engineering units are actively operating in Gaza, establishing access routes, dismantling explosive devices, and disrupting terrorist infrastructure and cells in the area. Additionally, troops have directed tank fire, resulting in the destruction of three Hamas observation posts. The family home of the exiled leader Ismail Haniya of Hamas, located in the Shati refugee camp on the northern outskirts of Gaza City, was also struck. Israel's Minister of Defense Yoav Gallant emphasized that dangerous conditions in Gaza City, stating that anyone in Gaza City is risking their life. And he pledged, we will locate Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar and eliminate him. If the residents of Gaza reach him first, it will expedite the conclusion of the conflict. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has, has suspended a far-right cabinet minister from participating in government meetings after the minister suggested that deploying a nuclear bomb on Gaza was one possible solution to address the crisis. Heritage Minister Amichai Elio made the statement in response to a question posed to him on Radio Kolbarama in Neretz but later clarified that his remark was not meant to be taken literally. The IDF death toll has risen to 32 Rahman since the commencement of the ground offensive and over 300 since the October 7th attacks. To commemorate the 30th day since the tragic events of October 7th, Israeli President Yitzhak Herzog has invited people in Israel and around the world to light a memorial candle in honor of the victims. Meanwhile, hundreds of Zaka volunteers are actively involved in the cleanup efforts at the sites of these tragic incidents, working to clear bloodstains and collect personal belongings of the deceased. In cooperation with the 433 Lahav unit of the IDF, Zaka volunteers are identifying and cleaning the belongings, which are then transferred to the unit's warehouses. Number 2 In a frightening replay of history, reminiscent of the early 1930s in Nazi Germany, Thousands of pro-Palestinian protesters gathered in the U.S. Capitol, Washington, D.C., on Shabbos, November 4th, marching past the White House to chants of Free Palestine as the death toll continues to climb in the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Across the country, Americans have held pro-Palestinian protests with crowds gathering in Los Angeles, New York, and Dearborn, Michigan, home to one of the largest populations of Arabs and Arab diaspora in the United States. In the United Kingdom, rallies took place in Manchester, in Northern England, Edinburgh, and Glasgow, in Scotland, and London, amid police warnings that anyone showing support for the terror group Hamas could face arrest. 
Protesters marching through the heart of the British capital were shadowed by a heavy police presence of more than 1,000 officers. Demonstrations in support of Palestine also took place in Switzerland's capital Geneva, in Turin, northwestern Italy, and in the Irish capital of Dublin. In Morocco's Rabat, thousands marched in solidarity with the Palestinian people. On Friday, November 3rd, two women who attended a pro-Palestinian march three weeks ago were charged under the UK's Terrorism Act for displaying images on their clothing of paragliders. In its October 7th surprise attack on Israel, Hamas employed paragliders to get some fighters across the border between Gaza and southern Israel. Prosecutors said the images aroused suspicion that they were supporters of Hamas, which UK authorities regard as a terrorist group. In Berlin, around 1,000 police officers were deployed to ensure order after previous pro-Palestinian protests turned violent. German news agency DPA reported that about 6,000 protesters marched through the center of the German capital. Police banned any kind of public or written statements that are anti-Semitic, anti-Israel, or glorify violence or terror. Several thousand protesters also marched through the West German city of Dusseldorf. Across the world, tens of thousands of people are marching in support of Hamas, a barbaric terror organization that murdered in cold blood over 1,400 innocent Israeli men, women, and children on October 7th, as well as took over 230 people hostage. While there have been a few marches in support of Israel, they are minuscule in comparison, and the chance of the rioters slash protesters in the pro-Hamas marches ironically make no mention of the innocent Israelis killed only about the close to 9,000 Palestinians killed in Gaza, as reported by the Hamas-run health ministry, which obviously can't be fully trusted to give an accurate number. Number 3 According to both Hamas and Israel, the much-dreaded battle for the extensive defensive tunnel network beneath Gaza, known locally as the, quote, Gaza Metro, has begun. Israel announced on October 29th that the IDF attacked Hamas gunmen in a tunnel and destroyed Hamas fighters who emerged from the tunnel to attack their position in northwest Gaza. On November 1st, even as the IDF announced that its forces were now at the gates of Gaza City, Hamas posted a video shot from a helmet cam of a fighter emerging from a tunnel to fire an RPG, a rocket-propelled grenade, which exploded near an Israeli tank. What is missing from the footage is the Israeli response, which destroyed the entire unit that filmed it. Prior to this, Israel's attack on the tunnel system seems to have been carried out from the air via laser-guided bunker buster bombs with deep penetrating warheads and delayed fuses to enable them to blow up underground terror tunnels. These most likely include US-supplied 5,000-pound deep penetration GBU-28s, which have been dropped on suspected Hamas barracks, command and control centers, tunnels, and ammo depots, often leading to the collapse of the buildings on top of them and spectacular secondary explosions. But it was inevitable that the Israeli standoff aerial approach would be replaced by close-quarter fighting in the deadly underground passages if the IDF wanted to achieve its goal. This goal, which Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu has stated, is that all Hamas operatives must die above ground, underground, inside Gaza and outside. With little fanfare, the most difficult and dangerous phase of Israel's operation Swords of Iron. The subterranean war thus appears to have commenced as the Israelis move from the beaches and fields of the northern Gaza Strip into Gaza City itself. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 3 segment live on Hako Radio and have a great day.